This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that was my fault. There we go. So who she does it again. Welcome back to another abbreviated episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast. I'm joined today by Richie Herod of Herod Outdoors and Bob Loomis of Maxlor. I'm Britton Ransford, your producer, and uh, today we're going to talk about winter, late fall walleye fishing. And uh, it's something that's uh, that we love to do in the winter. It's uh, we we had some fun times last winter, fishing for for some of those um, deeper walleye. And uh, I'll uh, hand it off to to Richie to kind of get into it here. Oh yeah, walleye is one of my favorite things to do for sure. Uh, and it's kind of fun because walleye are one of those fish that you know you re- I, they're a lot like hunting for me. You know. Uh, Compared to the other stuff that we do, uh, they're hard to figure out at times, and you really do have to hunt for them. And once you get on them and you start getting them, uh, there's just there's really nothing like. It. And of course, I like eating walleye, so that's that's part of the deal. There's some of the best eating fish in the whole Northwest. Walleye crack. Walleye crack. Yes. Poor man's lobster, baby. Yeah, it's really really <laughs> good. So, you know, one of the things that's been fun for me is to learn um, how to fish for them. Uh, on the sh- what we might call the shoulder seasons, you know, when we're not out there in the prime time. Uh, walleye are, are predator fish. They're aggressive. They eat other small fish and, and small insects, and so they chase. That's why you don't want to stick your finger in their mouth because, you know, they're a predator, and they, <laughs> they got I teeth. Do. Bobby does. He sticks his finger in there all the time. I don't know how he does that, but he does. <laughs> <laughs> um he doesn't really care. He's honey badger. But anyway, <laughs> I, I want to get back in the I, water. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, it's kind of fun to, to hunt for a predator fish and figure out what they're doing. And when it comes to fall and winter, these fish tend to go pretty deep. Um, and if you fished in the spring real early in February, and March, you know, that's where you're going to find them, too. It's just that's where they've been, you know, since October, late part of September some years. And just like any other fishery that we talk about, they're following where the food is. And some of these bodies of water, you know, the lakes turn over. And what we mean by that is the warmer water tends to, to go to the bottom, and so, so does the food. And so uh, we tend to find the fish pretty deep, you know, over 50 feet, sometimes deeper. Um, and we've mentioned this before in other podcasts, but... The key with them is uh, they're lethargic, which means that they, they're cold and they don't want to move around much. They don't want to chase like they normally do. And so you've got to change your presentation speeds. You've got to change the kind of gear that you're using. Um, a lot of times we troll. We like to troll. And we use smile blades of all different colors. And that tends to be how we, we do very well catching them. There are m- many ways to catch walleye. You can jig for them. You can pull plugs, but in the wintertime, it's uh, a real slow troll. We're talking under 0.8 miles an hour with dark colors at depth is, is when we do pretty well. Yeah, you know, you, using using the, uh, the different uh, colored smile blades and stuff, you know, you're still trying to 
quote, create uh, the match of the hatch. Yeah. And, you know, at that depth, <laughs> let's face it, everything's dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so in turn, putting something dark down there or putting something, you know, uh, putting a, a, a glow UV blade on there or something of that nature to where all of a sudden it stands out maybe a little bit more than yeah. everything else. Glow UV blade with black beads. Yep. Uh, black pill floats or something so you get that little added movement you know it it uh, it works very well but you have to slow that whole presentation down because of the fact the fish are not going to chase stuff nearly as much no. as what they would in the spring early summer months yeah and it's a little harder too to spot fish on your electronics oh absolutely when you get that deep absolutely those fish are like you know they're, they're hugged to the bottom they're pancake to the bottom you yeah. know and occasionally we catch burbot because oh, that's yeah. how deep you are. You know, we fish Banks Lake, like Roosevelt, you know, primarily. But you can catch them in other bodies of water. But they're they're deep and they're hugging the bottom, boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're right down there. Sure. And, um, you but know, one time I was up at uh, Banks Lake early in the spring. I think it was, well, it was still kind of winter. I think it was late February. And most of the lake was froze over, which occasionally banks does that right it freezes mm-hmm. over but the upper end where the inlet in, inlet part of the lake is nearest lake roosevelt was open and uh, i started joking that it was the continental ice sheet because you'd go down a ways and we, we ran into a big old chunk of ice and you couldn't go any further in the lake and we started just fishing across the lake along the edge of the ice shelf and we're fishing in 60, 70 feet of water, and that's where we finally started catching fish, dodging sure. icebergs. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And we just didn't really mark them, but we started catching them. And, you know, you're not going to get a lot of fish, but you're going to get enough to keep you interested. Oh, absolutely. You get some good quality fish. I mean, you know, let's face it, the, that time of the year, um, you know, you're looking at, quote, that next year's hatch, uh, you know, of fish. You know, you, you have different different mm-hmm. size categories of fish. And, you know, those are fish that are going to be next year's, uh, you know, keeper fish, yeah. you know. And it it's a, a matter of, uh, you know, just spending the time on whatever body of water that you're playing with. And, you know, you can mark some fish. Right, it, it, it's it's yeah. difficult because of the fact the fish are just absolutely laying on the bottom, and you know you're going to mark mark some stuff, but you've got to, you've got to work an area, and you know working it slow, working stuff with with uh, forage based colors, you know is, is the name of the game. So, I find that walleye, and it doesn't matter where they are, usually are on some kind of structure on the bottom, or they're in some location. Yep. And so another thing I think is real important is to mark. When you get bit or you get a fish, mark that spot and then work that spot over because they're, they're gregarious. You know, there's going to be a group of them there. Yep. So you want to go back and, and try to fish that again if you can. Absolutely. Another issue just that people should be aware of, when you start pulling up a walleye from that kind of depth, you're kind of messing with their system, you know. And so, you know, if you're in a lake that has a, um, a size slot or you catch a big, bigger fish are less, 
you know, affected by that, but them small ones, if you bring them up really fast, you can, you know, pop their eyeballs right out of their head. So sure. Spit a perch out on you. Spit a perch out on you like they did Britain. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we knew what to throw down after that. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Exactly. Throw your perch patterns, That's exactly. Baby. Perch patterns. So we knew what they were chasing down there. <laughs> yeah. Got that, that on was, video. That was kind of gross. It was pretty disgusting. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I, I loved it. <laughs> we made a little blooper reel out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you got to be a little bit careful about that. If you're going to try to release those fish, you know, bring them up slow. And, you know, sometimes we've used, a, a, you know, like a little surgical needle to pop their bladder to get them to go back down. There's controversy over the, whether that's good or bad. But, you know, if you're going to try to release a fish, you know, you got to be careful at that depth. Something oh, absolutely. to watch out for. Absolutely. Well, before we go, we have one question in the WAO mailbag, and uh, that's from Mark H. in California. He says, here in Cali, some lakes never turn over during drought years. This leads to reduced oxygen levels at deeper depths and a general decline to the fishery as a whole. Can you guys talk about how important lake turnover is and what exactly happens when a lake turns over? Yeah, sure, we can do that. Uh, It's actually a pretty simple concept if you kind of think about it. In a way, it's a lot like you know, air in the atmosphere, you know, hot air rises, cold air sinks. And so when you're looking at a lake, let's just say in the summertime, and it's very hot outside, and and this applies generally to deeper lakes too. So sometimes shallower lakes don't turn over as much as the deeper ones, but let's just take your average lake. It's, uh, you know, 60 to 100 feet deep. And in the summertime, it's hot. And the water on the surface is much warmer than the water at the bottom because the sun's shining on it and it's quite hot. And so what ends up happening as you go out through the year and the temperature begins to drop outside is that surface water cools and begins to sink. And as it sinks, it pushes the water that's been at the bottom of the lake to the top of the lake. And as uh, Mark, was it Mark? Mark, yeah. As Mark pointed out, that um, the oxygen levels can be low, and that's because all that cool water that's been setting at the bottom of the lake becomes what they call anoxic. And what that means is it doesn't have oxygen because all the organic material that's on the bottom of the lake is um, decomposing and using up oxygen in that process. And so when that cold water on the surface because of the cold air temperature that's cooling the lake begins to sink and it shoves that water that's been at the bottom towards the top because it's a little bit warmer now than that surface water it brings up that um, oxygen deprived water and so for a short time until the wind action and uh, can kind of reoxygenate that water there can be some real issues with um, with the oxygen in the water for those fish and so there might be a period of time there particularly if it's kind of still where the fish may become really lethargic because that oxygen poor water is now where they're where they're at and it causes the fish to move and part of the reason that we have good success with winter fishing late fall winter fishing finding those fish at deep at deep levels is they're moving where the warmer water is where the oxygen is located and where the bait is going and so that's the process so if you've got a situation where you know, your lake is drawn down to a low level and you don't really get those cold temperatures for whatever reason and the lake doesn't turn over, you can just continue to make the water oxygen poor and that can have a real effect on your fisheries. So 
Um, here in the Northwest, you know, Washington and Oregon, where we get wide swings in temperature, them, these lakes almost always turn over unless they're pretty shallow. And then, then you don't really get that. Yeah, but situation. you're talking you're talking really shallow. I mean, you start yeah. getting you know lakes that are uh, thirty five feet plus. You know, then then, they're then, then over. you then you're turning over. Right. But uh, you know, like Professor Herod just said, um, <laughs> one, one of the you know you you when you put it in layman's terms, when when that lake turns over, you have less oxygen. The fish actually start spreading out throughout the body of water because of the fact that there's less oxygen and they're looking for food because the food now has changed from that thermocline. Right. The thermocline is defined as where those two temperature changes come together. That's where a, a lot of your food sources go because there's more oxygen right there at that particular level. And in turn, most of your food sources will go to that level at the thermocline. And that's why you find so many fish at a thermocline. So in turn, when that whole thing turns over, you also get muddy water because of the fact that it's rotating up on top. And those fish will spread out throughout the whole body of water. That's why it becomes very difficult to catch fish during a turnover. So in turn... You, uh, during a turnover, you know, you, you really don't want to spend your time fishing because it, it, it's very difficult to A, find fish, B, they're, you know, since they're spread out so far, you know, you're hitting the onesie twosies, you're, you're spending a lot of time for nothing. So after that lake turns over, then you're, you're, you're golden because of the fact that you'll get back to a, quote, thermocline. You'll get back to a stable body of water. Right. Yeah. So, and that happens twice a year, right? So yeah, generally spring and Spring and, and fall, fall and, you know, on these big lakes. And now a lot of the lakes that we fish here in central Washington, that turnover and that um, kind of oxygen-poor water doesn't last long because we get so much wind. Yeah that it begins to churn that up and it, and it begins to, you know, make that water oxygen rich again. Um, so it doesn't last long, but like Bobby said, now in the springtime, we've noticed fishing for walleye, especially sure. you know, like in Banks Lake, for example, or potholes or one of those places. Yeah. There's certain times of the spring, you might as well just stay home because yeah. it's just so hard. The fish are so scattered and, and that process is happening. Yep. Yeah, and you know, then you look at a, a, a body of water like Chelan that's, Chelan that's you know pushing fifteen hundred feet deep, yeah. and you get no change. You know, you don't have a turnover in that lake. That thermocline stays down there at, at that particular depth uh, year round. Well, and then other thing about like Chelan or any of the impoundments in the Columbia River system is you've got a very different kind of uh, water. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a there's water flow in those places, so yep. you get a very different kind of situation. Absolutely. And absolutely. so there's some really interesting ways that uh, water changes in those bodies of water compared to a lake that is n not moving much water. Yeah, when you have stagnant water, you know, it, it's it's going to create a, a It's going to do turnover. that. Yeah. But e even almost, you know, I, <laughs> one thing I learned a long time ago is... Virtually any lake has some type yes, of water do. movement 
in one way, shape, or form. But the amount of water movement that you have in there is going to really determine on on where that thermocline is and, and, and what and when that whole turnover happens. Exactly. So, you know, versus you get into the Columbia River where you get, you know, that, you know, we're, we're speaking of, of bodies of water that we deal with up here. You know, when you start fishing Roosevelt or Rufus or, or any of the, the stuff on the Columbia River, you know, you have a, a tremendous amount of movement in that, that water whether they're draining, you know, something, yeah. waiting for the spring to come up, uh, you know. So when you have that that continual water change, that thermocline probably doesn't move a whole heck of a lot. But when you get into a stagnant body of water, like a Banks Lake, or you get into a uh, Potholes Reservoir, or you get into a Long Lake over in Spokane, you know, where you don't get a lot of that, as much water movement as what you get on the Columbia River, then in turn, you don't get that whole changeover. Or you do with the, the bodies of water that are moving, but on the, the bodies of water like aren't moving, that so aren't much. moving, yeah. you'll get that huge changeover. And that whole oxygenation situation really drives those fish to spread out. Right. And then end up coming back together once they get to... Yeah. To that, it's uh, not only the fish, of course, it's everything that they're feeding on. So absolutely. Everything needs some yeah. oxygen in that everything water. Everything needs oxygen. So they got to move around to, yep. you know, define where those things are and the fish follow the bait. But they also get uncomfortable. Yep. You know, so they get a little lethargic and and they're trying to find that place where it, it's better. I mean, it'd be yep. like, uh, imagine yourself not being able, you know, only getting like 75% of what you should be breathing. You know, you'd be sure. like, I want to get out of whatever this is. I got to get in better shape. I, need... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's basically the, the process. And it's it. Uh, there's a lot of really good it's, resources it's... online that if you want to read more in depth, you know, from, from you, the... you know, you, you do get bodies of water that, that when they do turn over like that with that whole oxygenization situation where you'll have fish kill off. Oh yeah, and, that's and, an and, extreme case. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it, but it does it happen, does happen. In, in a number mm-hmm. of lakes. Yeah, so it, it's very, very important to right. understand, you know, the time of year when that that lake does turn over. Yeah, there's a lot of nuances to that about you know what what's going on at the bottom if there's you know heavy decomposition because there's some invasive plant there or whatever. Sure, Those are can sure. be the kinds of things that could really screw up a, a water system. But like I say, you. You know, if this something, you could really get deep into this. And there's a lot of online resources to read sure. by people who study this. And um, But the, the process is fairly simple. Again, it's just think about how um, air, hot air rises, cold air sinks, and, and that essentially applies to water as well. And so um, it's, it's pretty easy to understand, but it has an effect on your ability to catch fish. Yeah. Awesome question, Mark, and uh, appreciate uh, Professor... Herod and Layman Loomis <laughs> for laying it out for you. If you guys have any questions, please uh, be sure to send it to us. Just comment on one of the posts, send us it to us in an in a email or a, um, in a direct message. Um, that'll do it for this abbreviated episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode, but we need you to subscribe, like, and share this podcast so we can keep doing it. Make sure you go like us on Facebook, Paired Outdoors, Max Lure, and the We Are Outdoorsman podcast, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>